Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022, to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School Headquarters Podcast, session number 143. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. If you're in the middle of your MCAT studying and you need a little extra tip go to freemcatgift.com and download our 30-plus page report, all filled with tips and tricks for you. Welcome back to the Medical School Headquarters podcast. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. You have uh, joined a a wonderful community here at the Medical School Headquarters. We have a, a an amazing Facebook group at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. We have a ton of great uh, listeners that listen every week, and we get new listeners every day. We had four new reviews come in uh, just today, all stating that they're new listeners, and we're so excited if you are a new listener today. Today, we're going to share a story from a newly turned, a newly matriculated medical student about her journey to medical school. Now, she caught my eye in that Facebook group that I mentioned earlier, and she had some comments in there that uh, I really liked, uh, one that I didn't like, and we'll talk about that, and um, she has a, an amazing story, so I want to get to it and, and introduce Sylvia. Sylvia, welcome to the Medical School Headquarters podcast. How are you doing? Good, and you? I am doing well. Thanks for joining us. Sure. And taking some busy time out of your crazy medical school life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll get into that. But before we start, you posted something in our headquarters group, our, our hangout group, which if you're listening and you're not part of our group, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash group and you can join there. But you posted this back in June, June 20th, and I'm going to read it kind of verbatim because it's pretty amazing. It says, hey, all, last night I had this feeling I needed to give some of you a pep talk. Ha ha. I, 
I am a mom of three small kids, and it took me 11 years to get my bachelor's degree. Yes, 11. I have had some serious obstacles to overcome, including three high-risk pregnancies, multiple job losses by my husband, multiple interstate moves. I had to attend five different colleges slash universities, had severe clinical suicidal depression at one point, and in the last two years, I lost over 80 pounds, got rid of depression, cleaned up my lifestyle, and was dealing with the MCAT while my husband was recovering from a traumatic brain injury. I scored 50th percentile on the MCAT, applied to med school, and got into two places. I start in August. I'm not here to toot my horn. My point to get across is this. No matter what life throws at you, you keep going. You do not ever stop. Don't be proud to ask for help. We all need it. If you have kids especially, it's worth your sanity to pay a neighbor or a friend to watch your kids for you so you can study or have some quiet time to work out. If being a doctor is your dream, like mine is, then do everything and anything to get there. And if you fail at any point, get up and try again. Success comes after multiple attempts at getting to your goal. Don't ever stop trying. And if you ever get to a point where you can't handle all the extracurriculars and classes and you feel like you're going to blow up, message me. Because I've been there too many times to count, and I will motivate you to keep going. What were you thinking when you posted that? I I wanted to give someone hope um, because it's a hard journey. And if some people are non-trads like I am, and I felt like I wanted to quit multiple times, um, but I wanted to give one person hope because one person doing what they love could affect many people. Um, and I feel like that's our job as doctors. We want to affect as many people as we can. And so I wanted to instill hope in people. Well, I, I think you did the job and I could, <laughs> we, we could end the podcast there and that would be probably the most motivational podcast we've had. But, <laughs> but I want to go a little bit deeper and, and get to everything that went into this message, into this post on Facebook. Now, you originally aren't from the U.S., correct? Correct. So you were born and raised in Brazil, and you came to the U.S. Uh, about 15 years ago, I think you said. Yes. At what point did being a physician come into play? Um, it wasn't until I was uh, pregnant with my oldest, who is now seven. Uh, it was right before I got pregnant with him. Um, that I decided I wanted to go and be a doctor. And how old were you at that point? I was 21. Okay. So, yeah, not too long ago, I guess. <laughs> okay. And and what was the motivating factor? I, most people don't just wake up one day and go, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. Oh. Was, was there something? Obviously, we, we you talked about high-risk pregnancies in, in your Facebook post. Was that part of it? Um, no, um, I always felt this draw to medicine ever since I was little, but I grew up in the family of lawyers and engineers. And so I never thought it was possible until I came here. And in high school, I took a CNA class. Um, and I thought, wow, this is like my foot in the door into healthcare. I can be a nurse. So, um, I graduated from high school and started my prerequisites for nursing and I started working at the hospital 
But then I realized nurses are overworked and underpaid. And I used to work night shifts and the doctors get really mad at the nurses for calling them in the middle of the night with urgent patients. And I thought, okay, this is not good. Uh, the book's going to have to stop with me. So I changed my mind. I had a, I worked with a friend who was a mom and she was pre-med and I thought if she could do it, I could do it. So yeah, that's where it started. Okay. So that's, that's interesting. I find it funny because I remember those nights when I was on call, I'd go around to all the nurses and be like, is there anything else you guys need? I'm going to bed. <laughs> Don't call me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I just came across some doctors that were just not that nice. And so, yeah, it changed my mind. That's great. Um, so, again, you're at, at what age are you at this point? About 21. Yeah. Okay. 21. So, not yep. that old to start on a pre med journey. Mm -mm. Where did life take you at that point? You said, okay, nursing isn't for me, I want to be a doctor. Where, how many years ago was that? Uh, it was about seven. Yeah. About so, seven, so, yeah. So what happened between then and now to to get you to where you are? Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> how long do we That's, have? I know, right? Um, I could sit and talk all night. Um, well, I've... I've had three kids since then, and they were all complicated pregnancies. And so um, I was on bed rest with each of them. Uh, my last child, I was on bed rest for three months. And with each bed rest I was in, I was also in school. Um, so I had to work with my professors to allow me to take exams on different days when they were um, done. Um, so I only had to come to school very few times. Um, we moved, uh, we had three interstate moves in 20 months, in a period of 20 months. Um, so I attended universities at the two other states that we lived in. Um, my husband lost his job um, a few times. Uh, it was very stressful Um and then he had a traumatic brain injury about a year and a half ago. Um, and that was also at the same time I was starting to study for the MCAT. Um, so life has been crazy. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. Now, with all of those obstacles, I think a sane person would go, you know what, life is telling me to <laughs> maybe being a doctor isn't for me or I need to put a pause on my schooling and and just do whatever I need to do to to make money for the family if the, if the husband's not working what what motivated you what kept you going to continue taking classes and continue on this journey um i felt like i i really want i really want to help people that's my love language is helping you know, they talk about the five love languages. Mine is helping. Mm -hmm. um, so if I'm not helping people, I feel like I'm not progressing in life. Um, there were a few times in these 11 years when I had to stop going to school because there was just no way for me to go. And it got me very depressed. Um, so I suffered with that very, very much. And it was the lowest point in my life. 
Um, and I knew that I had to be in school and I had to keep working towards that goal. So I wouldn't feel so empty inside. Um, so that was my drive. Just knowing that that's what you were meant to do or needed to do. Yeah. I really, really wanted to help people, um, get feel better. And I didn't want to be depressed anymore if I, cause every time I would stop, I'd get really depressed and I would feel useless. Um, so I knew if I was working towards something, I knew that, you know, things would get better. <laughs> so that was my drive. How did you, or, or, and, or who did you lean on in those times where you couldn't go to school or school was going slower than you wanted and you, you were depressed. How did, how did you get through those moments? Cause I'm sure plenty of people listening are e- either in those situations now or have been in the past and will be in the future. Yeah. Um, I have a really good support system. Uh, so my husband primarily, he's very patient with me and he's, you know, he's watched this whole thing unfold. Um, he's been really helpful, you know, especially with the kids. Uh, my family is really, really supportive. Um, and then I have friends as well that are very motivating and very positive people. And so I try to keep very positive people close to me. Um, so, you know, if I'm feeling down, I can rely on them to bring me back to where I should be. Okay. Having three kids and being pre-med and taking care of a husband, I'm sure, that suffered a, a traumatic brain injury, how how are you juggling all that besides the support system? I am kind of OCD about how I prioritize things. <laughs> um, so I, I was losing the weight during, while I was taking care of my husband. Um, and I sort of found that working out became my stress relief. So I would get up at 5am and I would work out for half an hour at home. And then I would go take my kids or whatever to babysitter. And then I would either go to school or I would have the day off or take my husband to doctor appointments. We, At one point, we were at the hospital about four to five times a week um, to help him get better. Um, so I felt like working out was really useful and scheduling everything um, on the planner. So I knew exactly what I needed to be doing at, you know, whatever time it was supposed to be done. And I wasn't doing anything else. Um, and if I had something come up, then I would just readjust, um, because life just kind of happens. Um, you can't really, you know, help it. Um, but I would make sure that I would stick to my schedule as much as I could. Um, and then study for the MCAT as well on top of that. And classes. So you, you were not studying for the MCAT alone. You were still taking classes and your husband at the same time. Yes. Wow. So I, I love what you said there by being intentional about how you're spending your time, actually planning out in your day what you're doing so that you you are working 
everything that you need to do instead of just waking up and going, hmm, what do I do today? I don't know. I'll sit around and watch TV. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. It's huge. And, and not enough people do that, including myself. I don't do that enough. But it's if you look at productivity and, and uh, any sort of um, systems that help people get things done, that's a huge part of it. Right. Yeah, I I uh, I currently run fitness challenge groups for people, and the biggest thing I teach them is if you plan or if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Yep. So if you don't have that set up in place, then it's not going to work for you. That's perfect. I love it. All right, let's talk about MCAT studying again. It, it kind of goes back to the same thing. You have three kids. You're in class. Uh, you said your husband's uh, injury was the same time you're studying for the MCAT. How, right. how how do you do that? How do you study for the MCAT? And it, the MCAT, as we all know, is a test like unlike any other test. How did that happen? Um, I so it was I I I attempted to study for the MCAT. Um, early on in the TBI and I was setting time, setting time apart every night for about an hour or two after the kids went to bed. And that's all I would do. I wouldn't do schoolwork. Um, cause I would do schoolwork while they were napping during the day, um, or having quiet time. So at night was MCAT study. Um, it would work okay for a few days and then it wouldn't. So I just have to keep readjusting um, eventually in the summer when my husband was feeling a little bit better, I was able to go to the library and I studied for 12 weeks, about 30 hours a week, um, for the MCAT. And that was, and that was after postponing the MCAT twice. Cause I felt like I would just wasn't ready wow. yet. Um, so I postponed it twice and then I took it, um, at the end of the summer last year. Um, so it's just been over just w- over one year since I took it. So you took the old MCAT. Yes, I did. Yeah, okay. I, I feel bad for the people that have to take <laughs> the new one. <laughs> what were you using to plan out what you were studying? Did you take any sort of Kaplan or Princeton review courses, or did you all did you do it all your own? Uh, I did it all my on my own. Uh, so I used exam crackers. And I went through the books. I had a friend that was nice enough that she let me borrow her books. And I went through and counted all the lessons. And then I made myself a schedule. So I had 12 weeks of studying. So I divided into two blocks. So first block was six weeks. And it was all material review. So I just divided up my lessons and made a schedule. So I was covering all the lectures in those six weeks from all the books. And then the last six weeks were exam practice and then brushing up on things that I was still weak on. Mm. And so I took like seven practice tests total. Okay. And did you did you take those practice tests like a, a real situation, sitting down, timing the whole thing out? Uh, yeah, I did. I did them through AAMC mm-hmm. uh, website. Um, so I just bought them as I needed them. Um, and then I just did real, um, scenarios, you know, like go to a quiet place, turn your phone off, you know, stuff like that. Okay. 
Now, in in the post that I read earlier, you scored 50, 50th percentile. What is that? What was that score? It was a 26. So the breakdown was nine, eight, nine. Okay. So pretty even all, all around. Yeah. Was that consistent with what you were getting on your practice tests? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, the very first time I took a practice test, I scored a 17. Okay. And I thought I would never get to med school. I thought I'd never be a doctor, and I cried my whole way home. Mm. And then I just practiced more and more and more, and then... I, my last practice, I scored it like a 21, two weeks before the exam. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to reschedule this thing. So I'm not ready. And then the week before the exam, I scored a 24. <laughs> so I was like, yes. And then, and then I took it again. I scored a 26. So I was like, okay, hopefully I can score this higher, higher next time. But I scored a 26. So that was okay. Okay. What I, I remember, um, I remember I think I'm remembering this correctly, that you posted that if you weren't going to get into med school this year, that you were only going to apply once. Yes, that is correct. So it kind of, I was kind of shocked and and I was a little mad that you had posted that. But then rereading what I had read earlier in the, in the podcast, it kind of goes against what you were saying about never give up and, and keep pushing on. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it was really stressful getting up to this point and I was going to do everything I possibly could to make it in one shot. And I, you know, like I just had this gut feeling that I would get in the first time around. Um, because there was no way I, all these doors would open up for me to not work. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was just one shot. But I know for some people, it takes multiple times. I have a really good friend of mine who did very well on the MCAT. She's a lot like me. And she did not get in first time around. Um, but I knew she would eventually if she kept trying. Um, so I'm glad she did because she is starting with me this year. So it's it's fun um, to see her do it. But, um, yeah, I, I, for me, it was a one-time shot thing. Okay. Talk about uh, your your applications in terms of what it was like to to gather all of that information from so many different schools over so long of a time period. I, I think a lot of people once they or I, I know a lot of people once they take the MCAT and finish the MCAT, they go, okay, the, the hard part's done. Now I just need to apply, and that's easy. What what was that like, the application process with all of the schools you've been to and, and all of that? Uh, it was expensive, <laughs> getting all the transcripts and um, sending them into e-commerce. And then um, writing, I'm not a writer. Like, I hate writing. <laughs> and so writing up all my experiences was really difficult. Um, I, I had gotten this spreadsheet um, from my advisor like years ago that helped me keep track of all my experiences. And I thought that was really valuable when it came down to the e-commerce application because it helped me remember the things I had done that were like years and years and years ago. Um, so that was extremely valuable for me, um, to have everything all in one place. Um, what else? 
I, I just had a really hard time with writing essays. Like I said, I'm not a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had multiple people looking over my essays to make sure they sounded right and, and all that. So that was the most difficult part. Okay. How did, uh, uh, let's talk about how you selected schools. Cause you just talked about a comus. And so that's for osteopathic or DO schools. Did you only apply to DO schools? That's correct. And why is that? Because allopathic does not fit in with my personality. Um, I love OMM and I love the holistic thinking DOs have. Um, and so that was the only thing for me. So I only went that route. Okay. And had you shadowed uh, MDs and DOs or only DOs? Uh, no, I shadowed both. And and then I went and shadowed a DO who did OMM, and I fell in love with OMM. I thought that was extremely valuable mm-hmm. um, in treating people. And so I figured, heck, I'm just doing DO. It's worth it. Okay. And how many schools did you apply to? Um, I sent in eight primaries, and then I didn't have a good feeling about one of them. And so then I only, I got invitations to all of them, but I only sent out seven secondaries. Okay. And the eight primaries that you selected, how did you choose those eight? (laughs) Um, So my husband and I sat down one day and we decided where we wanted to live and who, like what family we could be nearby um, because there are no DO schools in Utah and that's where I'm coming from. So we had to decide what other states we'd like to live in. And then we looked at schools for our kids and um, what the schools were like around the areas. And then we looked at the school itself to see if it was a good fit for me. And then, and then we narrowed it down to that. So eight, so we got came up, came up with eight. Okay. And so you submitted the eight primaries, seven secondaries. How many interviews did you get? Um, I had three scheduled. I only went to two of them because the third one, um, they said that they were only waitlisting people at that point. And so I just didn't think it was worth my money because I had already been accepted somewhere else. Interesting. So they, they came out and said, um, if you come, you're going to get waitlisted at the best. Yes. Interesting. And when did you submit your applications time-wise in the year? Oh, dear. <laughs> I was late. I was I, I submitted mine in October, November time frame. Oh, like okay. my secondaries. Yeah, pretty the, late. The cardinal sin of applications. <laughs> yeah, I know. I heard some people get accepted in August, and I was like, what? <laughs> that early? Why? Um, so so let's talk about why that happened. Because I think this is, somebody had asked recently, the, the deadline for applying to this school is October 31st. And I just said, stop right there. Deadlines don't exist. You need to apply as soon as possible. What yeah. what held you back from applying early or did you even did, did you not know that applying early was that big of a deal? Um I knew it was big of a deal um but because I had to delay my MCAT twice I couldn't take it until beginning of August last year and so I put in my primary in at the beginning of July but then I had to sit on it until 
my MCAT scores came back a month later at the beginning of September. And then once my scores came back, then everything went through on e-commerce and then, and then I started getting secondary invites, um, like middle to end of September. Okay. And I think that's a great point. So you submitted your primaries even without the MCAT score. Right. Perfect. That's exactly what everybody listening should do. If, if you're taking the MCAT late, don't wait till you take the MCAT to submit your application. Submit it and get everything else verified and ready to go um, so that as soon as your MCAT score hits, the schools can get your application. So that's, that's awesome. So, mm-hmm. so you submitted early. It was the MCAT that held you back. Right. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, fortunately, because it all worked out in the end, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about what it was like uh, as a non-traditional um, having discussions, if you had them at all, about having three kids, about all of the moves that you had, about what took you so long to get through undergrad. What did did any of that come up in your interviews? Um, honestly, I they they kind of knew my personal statement and we talked about my weight loss a little bit because that was part of my personal statement um I'm trying to think I don't think they talked about my kids at all um and I don't think I even volunteered that information unless they were going to ask um the interviews are, they're kind of hazy for me right now because <laughs> one of them was really rushed. Actually, at the at the school I am now where I interviewed, uh, we had an ice storm and they postponed the interview by a day. Um, and then they rushed us through the interview process because they everybody had to leave to catch their flights home. Oh, wow. Um, so the interviews were really fast. Um I can't remember much from the interview itself. I just remembered they only asked things from the that from that they weren't sure about that they read on my application. They wanted me to expand on, but I can't remember specifics. Okay. And where did you end up going to school? Uh, Campbell University. That's the new school, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's in North Carolina. Yeah, it's in uh, Bowie's Creek, okay. North Carolina. Okay, that's awesome. So congrats, brand new, hopefully beautiful school for you. It's gorgeous. Talk about your first week in medical school. We talked a little bit about about it before we hit record, but I want to to make that next leap. We, we talked about your pre-med journey, how, how that was crazy, but you got that acceptance. And now what... What was that first week like? Did it meet your expectations or was it easier than you thought, harder than you thought? Uh, it was harder. I mean, you always hear the whole, you're drinking from the fire hydrant. <laughs> um, but you don't really know what that is like until you go to first day. And first day was my birthday as well. So <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. And so I felt like it was, I, it felt like the first day was like, I got hit in the face with a brick. Um, that's the best way I can describe it. Um, cause it just felt like so much information and it's all taught in such short amount of time. They were saying that each lecture is worth two weeks of undergrad teaching. 
<laughs> That's crazy. for each hour. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, it was, it was pretty overwhelming. Um, at first the, those very first few days, I mean, it still am. <laughs> and how are you, how are you adjusting to that increased load? Again, having three kids at home. Uh, yes, my, so my husband's home now. Um, obviously he doesn't work anymore because of the TBI. Um, so he's been dealing with the kids, um, most of the time I haven't really had to worry about that and he's taking care of the house, but I'm really structured still on how, um, how I'm spending my time. So I wrote out a schedule for every single day at what time I get up, what time I work out, what time I go to school, study, um, come home, have dinner with the kids and spend some time with them and then go study some more. So I figured out I'm studying about between 65 to 70 hours a week or between school and studying on my own 65 to 70 hours, um, per week. That sounds about right. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. Are you excited? Yeah, I am. It's it's great. I mean, once you, because at my school, I don't know how it is at different schools, but at my school, they start doing like clinical skills early on. And so, you know, you're kind of walking away from the hard sciences and actually learning how to be a doctor. And we already, we did our very first patient encounter today um, and it's week two. Um, so they, so they're really trying to like teach you how to do these things early on. So you're pretty comfortable going into third and fourth year clerkships. Um, and I think it's really nice because it kind of brings it all together, you know, so you're not just drowning in, in biochem and, and microbiology, like you're actually like learning how to be a doctor. So it makes it, so you're, I don't know. It, I don't know. I, f I feel happier. I feel like I have a balance. You know what I mean? Well, it, it keeps it keeps that end goal fresh in your mind. Yes, exactly. Is, it's important. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, Sylvia, for for the pre med that is in in the shoes where you were five, six years ago, or even two months ago, three months ago, what advice do you have them to? to keep moving forward on their journey to, you know, honestly, like I would have them write down their goals. Um, I feel like when you visualize them, um, you kind of solidify that in your mind and you kind of bring it to you. Um, I felt like when I was going through mine, like I had to write down my goals all the time so I could see them and, and I feel like, I don't know, like, I feel like it just kind of draws that energy so you can actually move forward and have the, the power to do it when you feel like things are just crazy because <laughs> it's life is crazy. Um, but you know, as a doctor, you're going to have to adjust to craziness. And so you might as well just do it now. Um, and just have clear goals and structure yourself correctly so you can do it and, don't stop, you know, just put one foot in front of the other and you're going to have bad days and that's okay. You know, you just keep going and it's like, you know, you don't eat an elephant all in one sitting. Like you take small little bites each day. So if you think about it that way, that's how you get to it. 
All right. Again, that was Sylvia. She has an amazing story. Uh, I'm so excited for her to start her journey in medical school. Uh, It's an amazing journey. It's a crazy journey. And she's going to need all of the help and support that that she can get if we can give it to her. Uh, Again, if you're not part of our Facebook community, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash group. Sylvia is in that group. You can send her a message directly in there just by starting to type her name. Um, you can mention her and she'll obviously get pinged that you were talking about her and, uh, and we'll, we'll say thank you to her in there for sharing her story and hopefully encouraging you, encouraging others. If you have friends, um, like Sylvia was introduced, um, to the Facebook group, she was introduced by, uh, through some friends. If you have friends that uh, you think could use some encouragement, you think could use some of the information that we talk about here at the medical school headquarters, please uh, send them over to either our website or our Facebook group or wherever it may be. Send them a link in iTunes. Um, The more listeners, the better. Uh, Our job here, my goal is to help uh, as many students as I can to find their path and find their journey, their calling to medical school. So thank you, Sylvia, for sharing your story again. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love a rating interview from you in iTunes. We surpassed 300 ratings interviews a week or two ago. We got four more today, which is phenomenal. I was sitting at lunch with Allison, and we we met her at work. Uh, our baby Hannah and I met her at work, and uh, she she opened up her phone. And she's like, "Wow, we got a lot of new reviews!" And so that was that was awesome. We did. Um, I do want to read a couple. Uh, we're, we're still catching up from from a while ago for new reviews. We have uh, F. Merowitz, who says, a, a pre-med must. The depth and breadth of pre-med and med school topics covered by Ryan and Allison in this podcast makes it a must-listen for everyone applying to or attending medical school. Now, a little insider information. F. is Frank, and he was on our podcast a couple weeks ago talking about his journey to medical school. Thank you, Frank, for leaving that review. We have J. Doe something something, lots of letters, who says, huge source of encouragement. I uh, am very grateful for Ryan and Allison. I do not have a 4.0, and although I have respected the MCAT as much as I can, I might not get a perfect score, and that's okay. I am more than a number. And I have you guys to thank for helping me realize that. So thank you, J. Doe, bunch of letters for that review. That's awesome. And we also have Little Genius 90 who says, great resource for non-traditional students. Thank you. And we have a Baby42 that says, great podcast. Dr. Ryan and Allison Gray are very informative and inspiring in this amazing podcast and she goes on or he goes on oh it's babble 42 not baby 42 babble 42 <laughs> thank you babble 42 for that again medicalschoolhq.net slash itunes you can leave us a rating and review there everyone helps to increase our visibility in itunes we're up to uh, i think number six in all of medicine and somewhere in the top 
30 or so of, of science and medicine, and we're even ranked pretty high in education, which is amazing because that's a very tough uh, category. So medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. I hope you got a ton of great information out of the podcast today. And as always, I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters. (laughs) 